Today's talk is on grieving the Holy Spirit. The first time I was going to give this was in October. And I gave this talk the first month of our church starting. And it's the part of Ephesians that we're in where it talks about not grieving the Spirit. And I thought, oh, man. So I went and looked up that talk. And I didn't have any work to do. I basically just did. I'm going to do it again. No, I'm not. I've changed it. To apply to the season we're in right now, you know, when I first gave this talk, I, I first gave this talk, we were young, we were hungry to be led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, it was all new to us, it was all fresh to us, and we came to this idea like, man, we don't want to grieve or quench the very thing we're trying to, to, to cultivate in Jacksonville. You know, we are called to Jacksonville with the primary mission of bringing a normalcy to the Holy Spirit without compromising the word, that we were going to move in power, reflect that to our community, bring people into the kingdom through the power of the Spirit, grounded in the word of God. You know, we quoted Wimbert about a gajillion times. You know, we're grounded in the Spirit. We're, 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 we're grounded in the Spirit, grounded in the word, empowered by the Spirit. Grounded in the word, empowered by the Spirit. And we said it again and again and again as we grew. But here we are, you know, 12 years later. And we're in a different place. And in a lot of ways, I feel like we have become, uh, you know, the Spirit has become familiar. He has become something that uh, is very, we're, we're used to now, and people come into that, and it's brand new. And uh, when that happens, so does complacency. And, and, and so I feel like this time when the Lord speaks, He wants to kind of wake us up to what, it, what does it really mean to not grieve the Spirit. The two things I'm going to look at today are... What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And the second thing is, how do we not do that? Like, how do we not grieve the Spirit? Or, or what do we do to cultivate a relationship or a life in the Spirit so that He is not grieved, right? So those are the two main questions that you should have when you're thinking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. If I start speaking too fast, because I don't have a lot of time, just raise your hand, all right? Okay. Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may, ne- he may have something to share with anyone in need, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God as God and Christ forgave you. Father, just open our hearts. Just open our hearts to receive your word. Amen. So this, we've done this before, right? So Paul is listing two kinds of people, okay? He's, he's saying, okay, there, this, is how, this is who you used to be, and this is how the world is. Like, they have these, these negative attributes that manifest and exist that are inconsistent with who God is. You know, instead, put away slander, speak the truth. You know, don't steal but be honest. Work with your own hands so you have something to give. Use talk that builds up, not corruption. Okay, and he kind of goes through this list, kind of communicating to the Ephesians like, this is how you're supposed to live. This is what it should look like when you're living in the power of the Spirit. When the Spirit is with you, when you're not grieving the Spirit, this is what it looks like, okay? Now, before I move into this, what I want to say is this. It's a good thing that we can grieve the Spirit. 
It's a good thing that we can grieve the Spirit. Think about it. The Spirit is the creator of the universe. You know, we know that all three parts of the Trinity work together when the universe was created. All-powerful. Has everything he needs. Everything. He needs nothing from us. Yet, he places himself in a love relationship with us where we can sadden him. We can grieve him. That's how much he loves us. If you had a father when you were growing up who was just cold, never showed emotion towards you, never showed affection, never, you know, you could never upset because it was just like he didn't care. Well, that's what God would be like if he was ungrievable, if we could not have an impact on his heart. Now, I'll say this. Here's the thing about God's emotion. It's not like we rattle God, okay? God is consistent in every way, and he responds perfectly emotionally in every way to things of the world, okay? So he's unchanging in that respect. So we don't, one of the things is we don't have to fear like setting him off, okay? We don't have to fear like, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, and God just, oh, I know he's just going to crush me because of what I did. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. God is like this. God is always perfectly loving when it's a perfectly loving situation. God always reacts with anger towards sin. Oh, every single time. God always acts with compassion, bringing freedom to those who are oppressed every single time. God always wants to bring healing. Always. Even when we don't see it, we don't know how or why or what that looks like. But what we know about God's nature is that he is always, always, that is who he is. That's what he always does. He can only respond, only respond correctly, perfectly in his emotions towards us. That is amazing. That is good news because we can rely on that. We can learn about and, and, and look at his attributes and how he feels about us knowing that he loves us. He's always moving towards us. And so whenever God, whenever, whenever there's sin or brokenness or, or whenever we grieve him, what he sees is our sin. He sees, he, sees, he sees what the enemy is doing. He sees the brokenness of the world, but his anger, his None of that is for us. None of it. Because we are righteous in Christ. Now, when we do good things, whenever good things are happening with us, right? And this is why I six the Holy Spirit in the middle of all these things, is we see the Holy Spirit being glorified. Because any good thing in us always and only comes from the work of the Spirit in us. So that He is glorified and we are not. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, right? When there's good in us, God is glorified and it says that we are glorified. He'll hold us up in the day, you know, the final days or whatever. So that's a win. And it's also a win that we know that when we are broken, when we fall, when we mess up, when the Spirit is grieved, He is grieved and His heart is broken for us. Okay, He's broken for us, but He is never angry with us. He's angry with what is pulling us away from Him, what is causing the struggle that it's causing in our life that, that separates us in relationship. Okay, and so grieving the Spirit, this is what it is, okay? Refers to the action of ours that hinders the Spirit, that hinders the Spirit from being Himself, from being what He could be in us. When the Spirit is ungrieved, our inward journey of being transformed into the image of Christ, uh, of being transformed into the image of Christ, will happen as it should. Now I want to speak about quenching the Spirit. So, Grieving is about the internal journey we're on with God. And when we grieve the Spirit, he, he is not, he, 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 we are not who we're functioning and acting to be, okay? 
And because it's inconsistent with who he is, it's inconsistent with who he is, he's saddened. He's saddened. Like a father would be saddened of a son that has wandered away, a son, a son that, or a daughter that has become rebellious. Okay? And so when that happens in our life, do we stop loving them? No. No. We, we are saddened by that, aren't we? It breaks our heart when that happens. We want them to come back because we know that there's so much life if they, if they return, if they move from their rebellion, if they move from their brokenness, if they, if they move away from the bad decisions they're making. Does that make sense? And so, so the same thing is true with us and God and the Spirit. Now, quenching the, spe- quenching the Spirit refers to the actions of ours that hinder the Spirit from doing what He could through us. So inward, and this one is outward, okay? When the Spirit is unquenched, our outward journey of living like Christ will happen as it should, and we'll move in power, right? And we'll, we'll move as God desires for us to move through the power of the Spirit, okay? And so this is not like a, man, you've got to pull your bootstraps up and really get it done, because if you don't, you're going to grieve the Spirit, and, well, so sorry, so sad, right? That's, that's not what this is about. What Paul is saying is, look, this is who you are. This is the life I have for you. This is who you used to be. This is who you are. Live out of that power. Reflect and live out of that power so that you will, you know, transform the world, so that you will be transformed in your heart, so that you will become who Christ has created you to be. And this happens, we see in this verse, because it says that God marks us. He seals us. And he says that by his seal, it demonstrates that we belong to him, that we are his children. And as his children, and only his children, we have indwelling in us the Holy Spirit, the living God, the one that acts on our behalf, that intercedes for us, that empowers us, that fills us, that draws us to the Father, that is always interceding with us and for us. Okay? And, and remember, this is an inward thing. And so it's like, um, it's why we had the spiritual solutions the way we did, we talked about. What are you gonna, how are you going to rest with God? How are you going to demonstrate that it's God's spirit and God's power, God's rule and God's reign in your life that makes things happen in your life? That actually you need to rest to demonstrate that you trust God. And you need to rest to recover, but you also need to rest to demonstrate that you trust God. Here's the, and this is why. Because power flows from intimacy. No intimacy, no power. If you aren't intimate with God and you greed the Spirit... There will be no power. You can walk through the motions. You can say all the right things. You can read the Bible. You can do whatever. But there will be no power. None. Power flows from intimacy. If you don't hear anything else I say today, remember that. That's an easy phrase, right? Power flows from intimacy. This is why we cultivate in our life, uh, you know, a a, a lifestyle, an opportunity where where the Spirit can live and thrive and, and be who He was created in us to be, and we can be who he's created us to be. So, I mean, this should make sense to us, right? Because in the core of who we are, the Spirit lives. The core of who we are, the Spirit lives. He's teaching us, he's interceding for us, he's releasing this, he's doing this. He's, you know, all of these things are happening in our heart all the time, right? And he's leading us this direction. And then we're like, oh, 
heck no, I'm going to go this way. I like the way it used to be. I'm going to kind of wander back over here and try to have both, right? Imagine how that would break his heart and sadden him. After all the sacrifice that has been made for us to have him, after all that he's done, after all that he's taught, after all that he's interceded for that we don't even know about, of course that would sadden him. And that's what grieving the spirit is. But don't pity him. He's not sad like, oh, poor Holy Spirit. Spirit's sad. I'm sorry, sad. You know, that's not him. He's God, folks. He needs nothing from you. Nothing from you. It saddens him because he has everything for you. And we turn away from that. We turn away from that, and it breaks his heart. Okay, so how do I stop grieving the Spirit? That's grieving the Spirit. Everyone understand? Okay. If not, go listen to the talk again. Okay. Uh, And this is not a formula, okay? Everyone kind of comes into this the same way, okay? And so we we don't want to grieve the Spirit, right? That's just not good. Not good for a lot of reasons. We just talked about that. We We don't want to diminish what God's doing in us. We want the Spirit in us. We want Him moving in power. And so when we hurt God, when we sadden Him, we grieve Him, we sadden Him, I mean, how do we respond when we do that? Whenever we do that to a person, what do we do? Well, well first of all, we usually avoid them, right? We do. We kind of, we, we, we don't want to see them. We don't know how they're going to react. We don't know what they're going to say. It's awkward. We feel guilty. We messed up. And so we kind of avoid them. And that's what we naturally will do or often do with God. We grieve him. We feel a distance from him. We feel guilty. We might feel shame. The enemy has lied to us. We believe those lies. And we are, we are really encouraged to move away from him by the enemy. But here, here, here's the good news. is like Adam and Eve, when they jacked everything up, right, and sin entered the world, they hid from God. They avoided him. And what did God do? It's a waste to try to hide from God. I'll just tell you this. Because like in the Garden of Eden, he is coming for you. And he knows where you are. He knows what you need. And whether or not you come towards him, he is coming for you. That is his nature. That is something else that he will always do. He is only able to do is come for you, okay? And, and so whenever God's coming for you, instead of avoiding him, this is, the next thing that happened is, is that uh, they started blaming each other, right? Well, she did that, or he did that, or whatever. They started blaming each other instead of taking responsibility for the mistake that they made. Okay? And so that, again, that will be our tendency. It's like, oh man, if you wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done that, and God wouldn't be, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be feeling better. No, 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 no. You take responsibility is the next thing. Not the next thing. That's, that's what happens. Is when you hurt someone, you move towards them. You apologize. You say you're sorry. Right? This is called, this is called repentance in the Christian circles. And it's basically going to God saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And again, God can only forgive you. He can only forgive you. He never is like, well, I don't know. This is the 152nd time that you've done this, Antley. Can we just please pull together? No. He will always feel towards me the first time I come and ask for forgiveness as the 100th millionth time that I come and ask for forgiveness. Always. That is always how he feels towards you. That's the only way he can feel towards you. When you ask for forgiveness, he will always forgive you. Incredible. 
Okay? And so that's what we do. We ask for forgiveness, first thing. We repent. We go to him, we repent, we say, I'm sorry, no excuses. Okay, the next thing we do is we cultivate in our life, we cultivate an environment in our life where we can be led by him, where we can trust him, where we can grow and create opportunity for him to become or to be who he was created to be in our life and to lead us. So I call this like the cultivation station, right? And so the cultivation station, and this is not a formula. Again, this is just some thoughts and ideas and some, one of the ways, some of the ways that we can cultivate an environment where the Spirit can flow and empower us, move through us, is that we, um, we, learn, we have to learn how to hear the Spirit in our heart, hearing the Spirit through the Bible or in the Bible, and hearing the Spirit through our friends, okay? Now, the scripture for each one of these, Ezekiel 36, 20, you know, says, in your heart, and I'll give you a new heart, and it will cause you to walk in my statutes, okay? So I've given you a new heart. I'm going to speak in and through your heart, and it's going to cause you, it's going to cause you to live in a way that I love, that cultivates an environment where I can live and flourish and encourage you, right? Straightforward. And so that is like soaking. That is like personal worship. That is like spending time with God, listening to him, being quiet, Sabbath, resting with God. Those are all the things that we're doing where God speaks directly to our heart through the spirit. Okay? And he does that. That's amazing. It's amazing that he, he, he's wired us that way. He's given us new heart. Okay, the second way is through the Bible. And it's just not reading it. Okay? So it's not reading it. But allowing the spirit to transform you through it. Okay, it's not a doing thing. It's like, hey, Holy Spirit, I want to experience you. Yeah? So let's look at your word. Let's look at the thing that most clearly communicates, most clearly communicates without a doubt what you are like. What you are like. So that I know what you're like. I know the things that please you. I know the things that grieve you. And so we read the word. We go to the word to hear and let the Spirit transform us in a way that we change and our life changes so that we cultivate an environment where God lives. And it says all scripture in 2 Timothy is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training up in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped in every good work. The word of God cuts to the bone. It's living, it's active. If we're not going to it, we're guessing about what grieves the spirit. We're, we're allowing our feelings to determine what grieves the Spirit. The Word is what grounds us so the Spirit can move in power in us and through us. Without the Word, without the Word, you will die. Without the Word, you will be tossed to and from by every feeling and wave and exciting thing that comes down the line. Because we avoid, we avoid certain things and we will and will justify it if we're not grounded in the Word. It's critical. It's important. Cultivates an environment. The third thing is your friends, all right? Okay, you know, at River City Church, we, we aren't having groups. There isn't this movement because we're like, oh, man, this is what other churches do. We've got to do this. No, no, no. We have groups in our church, all kinds of groups in our church. Alan spoke on it last week. It was an amazing talk you should listen to. We have groups in our church because if we didn't, we would die. We would not have people around us saying, yo, you're, 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 doing, you're like acting in a way that's jacked up. You don't see the blind spot that you have, but the Lord has helped me see it in you. Let me walk with you through this. I love you. 
let me, let, me, let me do this with you. Let's do life together. God at his core is community. God at his core is relationship, is trinity, is life together, creation together, perfection together. And they're calling us into that with each other. And Jesus is high, you know, in John 17, it talks about this. But Alan Stoff crushed, dominated this topic last week. And so I would encourage you to go to, to listen to it. So these are the three things. But there are more, there are more that cultivate, that create an environment in our life that allows the Spirit to thrive, allows the Spirit to cultivate in our heart, uh, you know, an identity that is more and more like Jesus Christ, living in a way that demonstrates we trust Him, that His way is the best way. You know, whenever I was little, I'm going to end with this, we had this dove. My mom would rescue birds, right? We had like pelicans, crows, blue jays, all this craziness. We had a squirrel, you know, we, we, it just craziness. And we, we would just, you know, let them fly around our house. They'd poop everywhere. And I had to clean it up, right? But we, we like birds in our house, you know? And, um, but we had this one bird, and we would release them after we healed them, okay? We had this one bird that we named Daniel Dove. It was a dove. Daniel Dove, right? And we, we what? It's for real. This is a true story, Okay? And Daniel Dove, we were a little kid. It was like, it was pictures on our Christmas tree. He's like sitting on our ears, heads, or whatever, pecking around, cleaning us and stuff. All right, so Daniel Dove, it, you know, he got like to where he didn't like to be caged in by the house. He never had a cage. And, 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 but the house became a cage. It, it was not large enough. It was not an environment that he could thrive in, that he could be in, right? And so we set him free, <laughs> right? Out into the world where he, was, he experienced freedom, he experienced life, and all these things, right? But he would come back to us for real. He would come back to us. And I was like a 10-year-old kid, you know, so I get my BB gun out and aim, you know, I went, no, I didn't do that. Okay, but, but what my brother and I would do is we would like try to catch him. We would try to catch him and we would run after him and he would fly away, right? He would fly away. And what we learned is if we took the cat in, we, we hid so he couldn't see us, and we threw bird seed around, he would come and hang out with us, right? And we could enjoy him, and he could thrive and become, you know, and be the bird he was created to be, never being caged up again, you know, and, and, and not, uh, us not living for how he, he can make us happy, what's good for us, but creating an environment where he can be who he is, and we can experience the joy of who he is. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Creating an environment for the spirit where it's not about you. It's not about what you get. It's about creating space for God to be who God is. Trusting that he is good. Trusting that he is always going to be faithful. Always going to be loving. And in that, we lose control, don't we? We lose control. But we get to enjoy who the spirit is. We get to experience, you know, the majesty and the beauty and the power that we would never see if we tried to cage him up, control him for ourselves. That grieves him. But creating space for him in our life, listening to him, he flipping loves. He loves it. And when he loves things, when we create space like that, he goes ape crazy in our life and does things we cannot imagine. Let's stand. And so, we're going to end this story. So we're in this season where we're saying, who do we think we are? We are God's children. 
loved by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. God's children, led by the Spirit, loved by the Spirit, so we are not grieved. We do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So right now, what we're going to do is create space. We're going to create space. We're going to create a culture right now, right? We're going to throw some seed around. And, and you know, we're going to, you're going to come forward like little seeds. You're going to come forward like little seeds. And we're going to invite the Spirit to come. We're going to create this environment for Him to come and for us to experience Him. For us to enjoy Him. For us to open ourselves up so that He can let something loose in us that brings life, that brings joy. And we invite him to come, and guess what? He is only able to come every time. He always comes, whether we feel him or not. We invite him to come right now. He's coming. He's moving towards you. He's moving towards you. He wants you to bring freedom. He loves you. He wants you to bring life. So if you would like to experience that, if you would like to experience more of God, more of his love, release him more of an environment in your life. Come on forward. Come on, seeds. Let's get, it. Let's get going. We're running a little late. We're going to invite God to come. If you don't want to come forward, that's okay. We'll just ask you to stay engaged where you are. You can be little seeds in your seat. God just wants us to open ourselves up, give him freedom, let him reign, and just see, man, what does God want to do today? What, I mean, what does the Spirit want to do? I don't know. None of us know. But he will always and only do what is good for us. So I'm going to invite the Spirit to come. We're going to wait. The prayer ministers are going to release them. They're going to begin to move around and pray for you. The band's going to play quietly just to play quietly. Father, we invite you to come now. And we thank you that as we invite you, as we invite your spirit to come, that he will, that he is in us, and that he is with us already.